to do with God's vision for you. What to do with God's vision for you. Hallelujah. What to do with God's vision for you. Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. We're going to read from verses 1 through to 12. The Bible says that now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, the Lord called to him in the, from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And he said, do not draw near to this place. Take off the sandals of your feet, for the place where you, are, you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face and was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppressions of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I came down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them from the land to a good and a large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me and I also have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you when you have brought the, the people out of the mount of the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Here ends the reading of his holy word. Now we, we have been talking about vision for a while, and I'm, uh, we've said a few things about vision, but I want you to know that every one of us has a particular vision God has given to us. Amen that God has purpose for us to live in. The greatest cause of defeat, the greatest cause of defeat and the greatest cause of destruction and discouragement is loss of vision. When you lose your vision or when you don't have uh, vision, you are as worse or as bad a situation, if not worse, than somebody who hasn't got sight. A man without sight is far better than a man who has no vision. Am I making sense? It is very important that all of us discover the purpose or the vision of God for our lives. You know, after salvation and the gift of the Holy Spirit, the greatest gift that God gives to every one of us 
is our personal vision. Somebody say personal vision. Oh, are you with me? Come alive this morning. Hallelujah. Everyone has a personal vision. And everyone needs to discover the vision that God has for you. The vision itself has a way of attracting your helpers and attracting finances to you. You know, people start a vision, we, dis, we, we uh, describe vision as a mental picture of a desired outcome in the future. Are you with me? You have a mental picture of where you want to be in the next 10 years, in the next 15 years, in the next 20 years. That becomes a vision. And usually the vision you have is supposed to be bigger than where you are. Am I making sense? I, we said that the greatest enemy to vision is sight. The greatest enemy to vision is your surroundings, where you are. Now, Moses has been brought up in the house of Pharaoh by Pharaoh's daughter. Moses was somebody who was caught between being an Egyptian, an Egyptian, uh, uh, what do you call royalty, and at the same time, an Israelite. So he knew that his bloodline was Israel, but his upbringing was Egypt. So he was caught between that rock and a hard place. And he found himself always um, oscillating between the two. And at the time came, he saw an Egyptian who was maltreating uh, an Israelite. He looked this way, that way, saw nobody around, and he took the Egyptian and killed him. And hid him, hid his body in the desert somewhere. And the Bible says that after this, one day, the next day, he went and saw two uh, Israelites quarreling or fighting amongst themselves. And he said that, you are brothers, don't fight. You know, he, he was somebody, he knew he had the purpose. He knew he, there was something that God was going to use him for. But he wasn't sure what it was. And in the same way, he was trying to do something with his own vision. Like most of us, we try to do something with our lives. And see, if you don't know the vision and the purpose of God for your life, you might end up doing the wrong thing. Moses ended up, you know, trying to separate these two Israelites from fighting. And one of them said that, who made you a lord over us? Who made you a, a king, a royalty over us? Are you, try, are, are you ready to kill like you killed yesterday and hit the, the body of the Egyptian? We know what you did. And as soon as he heard and he felt that his cover was blown, he ran away to go and live with his father-in-law, Jethro. Now, how many know that God will find you wherever you go? How many know that whatever God has destined for you to do and to become, he will find you? And in the midst of an ordinary day where he's just feeding his father-in-law's sheep like he does every day, he sees something and that thing spoke to him. He saw a bush that was burning, but it was not being consumed. And as he turned aside to look, God spoke to him. And God gave him the vision. Hallelujah. You see, your vision normally is born out of your passion. His passion was to see Israel free. 
His passion was to see that something would come out of these slaves. Even though he had been raised as an Egyptian, he knew that he identified himself more with Israel than with Egypt. On Wednesday, I was saying that your passion, your, your, your passion, your temperament, and all those things are a sign of the call or the, a sign of the vision that God has for you. Hallelujah. Your, 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 your vision can come during a normal daily routine. God can speak to you. You must have a heart of accepting God's vision. You know, most of us, we have our own plans. And our plans don't include God. Our plans don't include what God wants us to do. But I want to ask a question. I want to ask a question. I don't know who I can ask this question to. Who who here? Ah, okay. Akwesi has just walked in, so I'm going to use him. Please come. Give him my microphone. Oh, clap for him. He's another normal one. Okay, so... I don't want to... I don't mean to put your business out. But let's assume that you have bought a land somewhere. Okay, and uh, you want to build a house. Can you tell me the process you'll go through? Number one is going to be what? How to get the the land uh, escape. Okay. Check the land. The land is okay for... Okay, so we've done that. We've checked the land. The land is suitable for building. So after you go and get your contract first. So you you, you get an architect. Architect first. Now when you get the architect... Does the architect tell you what to build on it, or you tell the architect what to build? You show your plan to. So you tell the architect, I want um, a four-bedroom or a three-bedroom house, House, isn't it? And you say that the master bedroom, I want a walk-in closet. I want two bathrooms in the master bedroom so that I don't share a bathroom with my wife. (laughs) And all the, the things you want, isn't it? Yes. And then when you have done that and you have the drawings, what do you do? After you get your mason, they will go and... You get your contractor who... Who will do the foundation. That, yeah. So they will try and build what has been drawn. Yeah, not the architects. Okay. Thank you very much. Put your hands together for me. My, 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 question, my question to you is... is does the house the 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 house determine the build or does the builder determine how the house will look like who who determines what Isaiah 45 Isaiah 45 verse 9 what to him who strives with his maker let the poshets strive with the posh sheds of the earth. Shall the clay say to him who forms it, what are you making? Or shall the, your handiwork say, he has no hands?
Romans chapter 9, verse 21. Does the potter have power over the clay from the lump to make one vessel of honor and another vessel of dishonor? Or the potter has no hand. The clay decides. I'm asking a question. Who decides? In Jeremiah chapter 29, Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11, he says that, For I know the thoughts or the plans that I have towards you, says the Lord. They are plans of peace and not evil. To give you a future and a hope. Verse 12 says what? Then you shall call upon me and you go and pray to me and I will hear you. Hallelujah. Now, God has a plan for you. So when we talk about vision, it's not you deciding what vision you want. It is not you deciding the, 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 the clay saying that I'm going to have this type of hand or I have no hand. It is God who has the blueprint. The builder of the house determines the type of house that will come on this land. Amen. So for us, what we need to do is to discover God's purpose and God's vision for us. Not our vision for God. Am I making sense? So I'm starting from this point that God has a vision for you. And you and I need to discover what God's vision is for us. Moses thought he had his own plans. His plans was to liberate Israel from Egypt. From where he was, he thought he had a vantage point to be able to gradually kill off all the troublesome Egyptians. <laughs> Are you getting it? But that was not God's plan. God had a plan. You know, sometimes some of us will behave like Moses. The call of God and the vision for God is almost what we, had, we want to do, but we do it from the wrong way. We do it from the wrong place because we think that we can do it with our strength. We think that we can do it this way or that way. We, we, we want to use our own strength but by, by strength will no man prevail. You cannot prevail with your strength. You cannot prevail with all your plans. Hallelujah. So we're going to discover how to find God's plan for our lives and then what to do with the plans. Is that okay? Habakkuk. Chapter 2. The reason why it's very important for us to discover our God-given vision for our lives is that your vision includes others. There is no vision that is a sole vision for one person alone. You know, the vision that God had for, God gave to Moses it included the whole of Israel because he was supposed to be a liberator of Israel. Are you with me? So he needed not only to have the vision, but to be able to articulate the vision to others. 
Sometimes we have a vision, but we can't articulate it. Habakkuk chapter 2, are you there? Verse 1. I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. Then the Lord appeared to me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, and at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold, the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. Hallelujah. Now, you see that in this scripture, it says that I will, somebody say I will. I will stand my watch and set myself in the place where I can receive the vision for God. So the, the prophet Habakkuk gives us a few steps that we need to uh, operate in. The first uh, step he gives us for us to hear the vision of God is that you have to line yourself up to hear God speaking to you. Are you with me? It is not everywhere God speaks. Moses was not somebody who had God in Egypt. He didn't hear God in the desert. He didn't hear God when he was in the house of Pharaoh. It was when he came to Mount Horeb, a certain place, a certain time, that was when he heard God speak. Am I making sense? You know, God is always speaking. The problem we have is that we are not always hearing. Because sometimes there's too much noise. You know, there's a scripture when Elijah wanted to go to hear God. He saw the earthquake. God was not in it. The wind came. God was not in it. The fire God was not in it. Everything happened. God was not in it. Then a still small voice. Somebody say a still small voice. It was a still small voice. Have you ever wondered why God came in a still small voice? Rather than the noise of the mountains, rather than the noise of the, of the uh, fire, or the earthquake, he chooses a still small voice. Do you know why? Because God wants you close enough to hear him whisper. If you are not close, you can't hear. He is God. He can speak through the thunder. He can speak through the fire and the earthquake, but he chooses to speak with a still small voice, which means that he wants you close by. He wants you to be, have a close fellowship with him so that he can speak to you. He will not shout across the room. 
Have you ever had a conversation with somebody and maybe a person is in the other room and there's the television on, there's a radio on, there's music playing, and the person is trying to have a conversation with you. And they are talking, you can hear them talk, but you can't hear what they are saying. It's because the noise is too much. Some of us, our lives are too noisy for God to speak to us. And that is why we don't hear God's voice. Am I talking to somebody? Oh, your life is too noisy. You're too busy. Can't stop. In a rush all the time. Always going. There's something we call quiet time. And there is a reason why we call it quiet time. Because God speaks in the quiet, not in the noise. Hello? He speaks in the quiet, which means that he wants you to be intimate, be close to him, to hear him. When you're too far, you can't hear him. And he's a gentleman, he will not shout across the room. You didn't like what I said. So he says that I will, I will present myself. The desire for a better, preferable uh, future or, or vision it starts from you aligning yourself to the place where God can speak. I will stand upon my watch, set myself in the tower, set myself in the place where I can hear him speak. They are about, well, about nine, ten, twelve ways God speaks to us. God speaks through his word. Psalm 119 verse 105, the word has a, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God speaks through prayer. God speaks to us by his spirit sometimes. God speaks to us through trusted advisors. Sometimes God speaks to us through our past experiences. Sometimes God speaks to us in an audible voice. You hear a voice. Like Moses, he heard a clear voice. The easiest and the commonest way God speaks to us is through his word. In Hebrews, the Bible says, from times past, God has spoken through uh, different prophets. Various times he has spoken through, sp through various past prophets and all that. But now he has chosen to speak to us. In the last days he has chosen to speak to us through his son. Whom he has appointed to be heir of all things. What, what does it mean that he's chosen to speak to us through his son? In John chapter 1 verse 1, the beginning was the word. And the word was... With God and the word was what? God. And he became flesh and dwelt among us. So when, the, when Hebrews says that he has chosen to speak to us by his son, he's you know saying that he has chosen to speak to us through his word. So if you are somebody who doesn't know the word of God, it's very likely you'll miss the vision of God for your life. Am I talking to somebody? It's very, very unlikely that you are going to miss his vision for yourself. Hallelujah. Am I talking to somebody? 
It says, I will stand and hear what he will say. I will not stand and assume. I am going to listen now to hear what he has to say to me. Isn't that what we read in Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 1? Said, I will stand to watch and see what he will say to me. Because I need to know what he will say to me to give me a direction for my life. Hallelujah. Your vision for your life comes from God, not from you. It doesn't come from your fantasies or your wishes. And this is how you know that this is the vision from God. When it comes, it looks bigger than you. Moses says, how can I go? How dare me go to Pharaoh and say to Pharaoh, that says the Lord, let my people go. Then Moses started showing all his inabilities. I can't speak. I can't do this. I am not qualified. All that things are symptoms and signs of God's call. When God calls you, the first thing you feel is unqualified. If you feel qualified, then that is not God's call for you. Everybody and everything God is going to use you for, you are unqualified for it. So that the glory will not be to you, but the glory will go to him. Am I making sense? That is, that is the reason why you will feel inadequate. Moses felt inadequate. I cannot do it. He says, I can't do it. I don't have anything. I'm nobody. I can't do it. He said, who am I to go to Pharaoh? He said, I'm going to use you as you are. What do you have in your hand? Say, nothing but a stick. Throw the stick down. Stick turns to a snake. Pick the stick up again. The snake up. Then it becomes a stick. All those things were supposed to assure him that really God is speaking to you. Hallelujah. So the signs that God is going, is talking to you, is that, that thing makes you, you feel inadequate. This thing that has come into my mind, or this thing that God is saying, I can't do it. Hallelujah. But that is exactly what God is going to use. I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch and see what he will say to me. What is God saying to you? You in particular, what is God saying to you? Amen. Are you following so far? All right. What he will say to me from the original language, the scripture is better read as what he will say in me. It's not what he will say to me, but what he will say in me. The vision most of the time is inside. It comes, it comes from within. Give me the NLT. 
I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. And there I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. Hallelujah. So then when the challenge or reproof about your vision comes, it comes as an unshakable thing. Amen. So now you have received your vision. Like Moses, you have been told you are supposed to go to Israel. You are supposed to go to Egypt. Go to Pharaoh's house and say to Pharaoh, let my people go. You are the deliverer of Israel. So how do you go about deciphering the, 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 the vision God has, has given? Now, Habakkuk teaches us. Let's read on quickly, verse 2. Then the Lord answered, write the vision. Somebody say, write the vision. Or say it like you mean it, write the vision. How many of us in this room has written the vision of God for your life somewhere? A vision that is not written is not a vision. Did you hear what I said? Any vision that is not written is not a vision. Write it down. Write the vision. You know, there, there are some, 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 how many of us in this room, you dream a lot? God gives you different dreams. Anybody who has a dream, sometimes when you have the dream, by the time you wake up, you forgot it. How many have that? Sometimes in the middle of the night, when you wake up, you remember the dream. But by the morning, you forgot it. Let me give you a good tip. When you dream in the middle of the night and you wake up, write it. As sleepy as you are, your handwriting will be all over the place, but write it. At least write through through words that will remind you of the dream. Are are you with me? Because that is how sometimes God speaks to us and shows us our vision, shows us our dream. Learn to write it. I wrote something down about, I think it was 97. I wrote something in 97. I only discovered it last year. And what I wrote, you know, like when I, the, the closest book or something that is there, I just write, sometimes I write two, two words or three words. But they, when I see those two words, it reminds me of, because when I'm sleepy, I don't have, I don't joke with my sleep. So I just have to be quick and go back to sleep. When I saw it, I realized I'm living that dream I saw in 97. And I saw it in a book, and one of my notebooks. 
I was looking for something, and I saw, when I saw it, and I remember those three letters or four letters in the, that I wrote reminded me of the, the dream I had way back then. And then I realized that that dream, I'm living it now. Are, are you getting what I'm saying? So any, anybody here who, I don't dream by heart. But normally when I dream and I write it down, after a while I see it. Like sometimes some you see yourself living the dream you had. How many have had that experience before? You see yourself like, I'm reliving this dream. I've, I've, had, I've been here before. You can almost tell what's going to happen next. That as I'm sitting here, somebody's going to come in through the door. And this is person A is going to come through the door. And before you can say, Jack, the person just walks in. Hallelujah. So he says, write the vision. Number two, make it plain. It is not just writing the, the, the vision, but deciphering and breaking the vision down. Sometimes we don't see where God is taking us because everything looks confused and muddled up. So we have to learn how to break it down. Amen. See, it says the tablet. The first iPad was made in this chapter. Did you see it? Then the Lord answered, write the vision and make it plain on what? A tablet. How many people have tablets here? So the first iPad was not made by Apple. It was made by Habakkuk. <laughs> Hallelujah. He says what? Write it down. Amen. Amen. Write it down. An unwritten vision is soon forgotten vision. They say the faintest pen is sharper than the brightest brain. Isn't that true? In Psalm 146, verse 8, the Bible says that the Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises those who are bowed down, and the Lord, Lord loves the righteous. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 19, it says that write the things which you have seen, and the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. Isn't it? Write it. Someone say, write it. You need to write it. Every one of us from today, get a notebook. Get a notebook. If you want to be, to be somebody who is focused, remember I started by saying that lack of vision makes you lose focus, isn't it? You need to have focus, and the way to have focus is to have a vision. And the way to have a vision is to, it, those little, little words here and there, when you put them together, then it gives you that plain vision. Hallelujah. As you go through different phases of life. See, if, uh, this is how I, ex I, I, I put, uh, I explain. It's like a different jigsaw puzzles. How many have done jigsaw puzzle before? They are little things. 
But as you piece them together, and piece them together, and piece them together, they form the picture. So assuming the vision is the picture, all those little experiences, and the little places God takes you to, and the things that God is doing, they are all pieces that need to be added. Pieces that God helps you to join together. And as you join together, it forms the right picture that God wants you to live. You know. who, who has done a jigsaw puzzle and then two things were lost? And because of those two things that were lost, you couldn't, you couldn't finish. It's like you got frustrated because there were two things that needed to be put at the right place, but you couldn't find them anywhere. So you couldn't piece the picture together. See, as I'm talking now, part of what I'm saying is giving you a piece to add to your jigsaw puzzle. Do you understand? So when you miss church, you miss a piece that will put join the two or three or four. Because sometimes everything you have done at the top is joined together by just one piece to the bottom. So if that one piece is missing, then the whole picture becomes disjointed. Hallelujah. How many are, are with me so far? So you need that thing. You need that piece. That is why it's very, very important that you have a notebook that you write things in. And periodically read through them. Because as you read through them, God helps you. He speaks to you. He helps you to join it together. Hallelujah. So, the first one is what? Write the vision. Second one is what? Make it plain. We said that, you see, when you, when you write your vision, it helps you to be motivated, isn't it? It gives you a, a purpose and direction. Amen. When the vision becomes plain, it is easier for you to run. When the vision is plain, you, you are not distracted. Do you know that a lot of us, we have, we have become distracted. Even churches have become distracted because of uh, COVID-19. There are churches that have lost their purpose. They've lost because of the attack of, uh, what do you call it, and trying to uh, secure our, our lives, and we are hiding. So the purpose of the church is lost. If, you're, if you don't write it down, make it simple, make it plain, you can easily lose the, the focus, lose your purpose. Amen. So make it plain. It will motivate you. Hallelujah. When you fall, and in life, falling is part of living. Even when you fall, if you have a vision, it will help you to rise up and keep running. Recently, um, this lady, um, I've forgotten her name. She's an Ethiopian runner. She wanted to do three, she wanted to win three gold medals in 5,000, 1,500, 5,000, and 10,000. 
Somebody find a name for me. It's not the Baba. Uh, what's the name? I can't remember her name. And the, the first of the three, her vision was to win three gold medals. The first of the, of the three finals, the first final was um, 1,500. And as they started the first lap, somebody tripped her and she fell. This was the first of the three gold medals she was going for. Somebody tripped her and she fell. You know, other people fell when they were tripped and they didn't run again. In fact, that particular race, two people fell. Somebody fell and tripped her and she also fell. But because she had a vision of going for three gold, she rose up and started running. And she ran and caught up with the bunch. And not only that, she had run all of them and won the gold. That was the first gold. Have you got her name? What's her name? That's her. You see her fall. The the Kenyan girl tripped her and she fell. This was about two, two weeks or three weeks ago. Two weeks ago. But because she had a vision of three gold medals, she said, I'm not going to be defeated by this one trip. I have three gold medals that I need to get. So she got up. Yeah, Hassan. She got up. Look at her. The rest had left. The, the, the Kenyan girl got up and started jogging. She got up and started running. And caught the group and overtook all of them. And won the gold. Find a picture of that particular race. When did you won? This particular race. You see, when you have a vision, even when you fall, you rise and you overcome, overtake, recover everything you have lost, and take the first prize. That's why it's important for all of us to have our vision. Because life has a lot of bumps. Life has a lot of trips. You'll be tripping, you'll be tripped here and there. But if you are somebody who has a vision, that trip will not stop you. It stopped the Kenyan girl, but not Hassan. Oh, so you've got the whole. So, this is she stripped. The Kenyan girl tripped, and then she fell. And look at her jogging. The Kenyan girl jogging. Look at Hassan. I cannot jog. I have three gold medals to win. So look at her. Everybody has left. She's coming from the back. Say, I cannot afford to lose this, this race because I have, a, I have a gold medal to win. I have a vision. So she does not only recover what she lost, but she overtakes everybody and wins the, 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 the gold medal. How many of us 
have fallen and decided not to run again. Thank you. Take it out. Take it away. So make your vision plain. It was so simple. Everybody knew from the get-go that this Hassan girl was going for three gold medals. It was not a secret. It was so simple. From the gun to the tip, I'd run everybody and you win. Make the vision plain. The coaches, the nutritionists, all the psychological coaches and everything, it was very simple. Hassan, make sure you are the first to the land. Even if they trip you and you fall, make sure you are the first to the line. Even if you somersault five times, make sure you are the first to the line. Write the vision. Make it plain. Break it down. Untangle all the confusions around the vision. And make it very simple. Make it simple. The reason why a lot of people don't like mathematics is because the teachers that taught you did not simplify it. They enjoyed the confusion on your face. <laughs> and they enjoy, how many know that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you get a good teacher, you realize that mathematics is the easiest subject. Yes. I know you are not agreeing. You are shaking your head. But I'm telling you that it, because it doesn't, have, it doesn't include studying. It's just break it down. At this point, you need to do this. This is the formula for here. Remember it. But you don't even need to remember. The more you practice, the more it comes. So as you practice, you know that this, when I get here is this step. When I get here is this step. When I get here is this step. It's like step one, step two, step three, step four. Answer is never changes. Step one, step two, step three, step four. Answer never changes. Once you get the steps right, the answer is what? But if you do something, uh, course like economics, no two economists agree. So the book you are reading, the marker doesn't agree with the book. So when you write what you have read, it doesn't mean you are going to score. <laughs> are, are, are you getting it? Yeah, because like you take this person, this person is saying this, you take that person's book, that person's person is also saying this, and you are trying to find out what is right. You see that you are confused. Before you get to the room, you are confused. So this thing that I'm writing, so sometimes a good economics teacher will tell you that try and put at least two or three or four schools, uh, schools of thoughts. With, with the various diagrams. They say, okay, the Keynesian school of thought is this. The Adam school of thought is this. This school of thought is that. Because you don't know which one he will be happy with. That's why, that's why mathematics is simple. This step, this step, this step, answer is. If 
even if the answer is wrong, so long as you have followed the steps, you get it right. How many understand? Let me go on. Let me go on. Some people are looking confused because I went into mathematics. <laughs> There's a scripture I want you to see in Luke chapter 8, verse 9. Do you have the Passion Translation? The Passion Translation says that later the disciples came to him privately and asked him what deeper meaning they could find in this parable. And he said, you, are, you have been given a teachable heart to perceive the secret, hidden, the secret hidden mysteries of the kingdom realm. But to those without a listening heart, my words are merely stories. Even though they, are, they have eyes, they are blind to the true meaning of what I say. And even though they, they listen, they cannot receive full revelation. Here, then, the deeper meaning of my parable, the word of God is the seed that is sown into hearts. Hallelujah. So, you see, he was, what is the deeper meaning? Can I break it down? The disciples went to Jesus, said, help us to break down this mystery. Help us to break down this parable. And I said to you that most visions are not for you alone. The vision God gives you is for others. So when you make it plain, others may be able to run when they read it. Am I making sense? You need people to run with you. Amen. If you don't make it plain, how can they run? So you need to make it plain. Let's finish the scripture so we can go home. Go back to Habakkuk. He answered, make it plain that he may read who, who reads it. Amen. The vision is yet for an appointed time. Amen. The vision is not for today. There are some people when they receive a vision, they run. They just run. In Genesis chapter 12, Abraham gets his first vision, his first call. That get out of your father's house, your mother's house to the place where I'll take you and I'll make you blessed and all that. In chapter 13, verse 14, the Lord comes to him again. When Lot is separated from, from, from him and he says that rise up, walk through the length and the breadth of this land. For as far as your eyes can see, I have given you to this, that land. Can you see it? And then in chapter 18, he comes to him again. And he gives him a, a, a vision again. See, God doesn't always speak once and that's it. He gives, he breaks it down he, so that you can run properly. Amen? Are you with me? What are you running on? Can I ask a question? What are you running on? What has God spoken to you about? Moses ran on a vision. Abraham ran on a vision. Paul ran on a vision. What are you running on?
See, if you want to avoid discouragement, you need to learn how to make people run with you. Amen. You know, like I always say, me, I like athletics, so most of the time, these guys who like to break records, they need pace setters. They need people to be ahead, to run, maybe if they are doing uh, 1,500, the first 1,000 meters, they need a pace setter to set the pace that they will follow. So they have like a world record pace. They need somebody to say, okay, the world record is uh, this time. So I want you to run this time for me so that the last 500, I can run as fast to beat the record. So you need a good pace setter. A vision is like a pace setter. When it is clear and concise, the people behind can follow it. Am I making sense? Sometimes the pace setter is so fast that nobody follows him. So it is useless. Because if you get a 400-meter runner to come and be a pace setter for 1,500, when he takes off, no 1,500 person can catch him. Are you getting it? So then it's, it's, it's useless. But when you get an 8-meter, 8 800-meter runner to be a pace setter, he knows that 800 meters, I need to run this quick. For 1,500, I don't need to run this quick, but I can run this quick and to be a good pace. So they run that quick, and then the 1,500 guys can follow. Am I making sense? Your vision must inspire not only you, but the people around you so that they can run with you. Amen. And it's for an appointed time, so you need to wait. Somebody say wait. The problem we have sometimes with vision is we can't wait. A lot of us, we, we abort the mission of God for our lives because of impatience. We are so impatient. We want it now. You know, God says, I'm going to make you the head. Immediately, you start chopping people's ears. You are in a hurry to get to that place. Amen. Wait patiently. It's for an appointed time. You just be patient and keep following. It will happen. If you can achieve everything you dream today, then it's not a dream. It's just a small, it's a mere wish. But if it's a dream, it's a vision, it takes time. And you need to keep on. Sometimes the vision will outlive you. But most visions outlive you. If it's a real vision, you are going to die and somebody will have to come and continue the vision. Hallelujah. I don't plan to be here to the end of CICC. <laughs> are you with me? This vision should outlive me. Am I making sense? So I need to be patient. It will not come overnight. Just be patient and keep at it. Some people abandon the vision quickly because you get impatient, you get tired, frustrated. Because it's not happening, then you, the next time you see you have, you have joined Moonlight International Deliverance Church. 
because this one was not moving quick enough. And that is what aborts our mission, our vision. Hallelujah.